This episode of The Daily Crime contains disturbing details of a murder. Listener discretion is advised. Coming up. I think he is as well prepared for release as any individual that I've encountered in this work. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. In 1995, Brian Bassett was convicted of killing his parents and brother and sentenced to life behind bars. Bassett was 16 years old at the time. But in light of a new court ruling, Brian Bassett could be released in less than a year. He committed an atrocious act when he was a boy. Since that time, he's changed his life completely. I'm joined now by King 5 reporter Sebastian Robertson in Seattle, Washington. Sebastian, thanks for being here with us again on the show. Thanks, Will. Let's start with what happened back in 1995 when Brian Bassett was convicted of killing his parents and brother as a teenager. Tell us about this case. Well, this happened in Grays Harbor County, uh, which is the city where it happened is McCleary. It's about an hour from the Pacific Ocean, uh, really small town life in Washington state. And this was a, a just a brutal murder that just by all definitions shook the community. So there is a, a teenager in 1995, and by all accounts, he was just out of control. Nobody could rein him in. Uh, by his own account, Brian Bassett, the teenager who was 16, uh, started partying, drinking heavily, had a couple buddies that he ran with. Uh, he, for whatever reason, gets it in his head that his parents are standing in his way. And the only way to solve this problem is to murder them. So he and a buddy uh, who had clearly just watched some kind of uh, heist movie um, pull off a plan that only, you know, 16-year-olds could pull off. And it's really pretty gruesome. Uh, they steal a 22 hunting rifle from somebody and uh, put a little makeshift silencer on it out of like a soda bottle and go in and essentially assassinate the mother and father, uh, you know, an act of parricide, which is killing her parents. Uh, and then the five-year-old brother uh, spoils their plans by walking in on it. And this is just horrific. But uh, Brian Bassett's buddy um, steps up and says, I'll take care of this so you don't have to. And under the pretense of, of cleaning the brother, takes him to the bathtub and uh, drowns him. Uh, the two teenagers flee south uh, and come into Oregon, where they have an uncle. Um, Brian Bassett's friend uh, has, you know, his conscience starts eating him up, turns himself in. Uh, law enforcement swarm in. Both are arrested, uh, brought back to Washington State to Grays Harbor County. Uh, there is a trial, and Brian Bassett, 16 years old at a time, is sentenced to life in prison. His buddy gets uh, 40-some years in prison, and for you know more than a decade, that's where the story ends. But in 2019, if I'm not jumping ahead too far, this Supreme Court in Washington state made a ruling that affected all this, right? Yeah, and this actually goes back uh, even further. So the U.S. Supreme Court in 2012 uh, had a ruling uh, known as Miller v. Alabama, and this goes back to, uh, um, you know, another horrific case uh, where a group of teenagers decide that they're going to uh, rob, I believe, a, a convenience store. And, you know, being somewhat savvy, they think, OK, we'll hand the gun to the 14-year-old boy who's in our um, group and have him 
pull the trigger. The 14-year-old boy pulls the trigger, uh, kills the, the person behind the counter, and is sentenced to life in prison. So the Supreme Court uh, in Miller v. Alabama reviewed this case and kind of took into account that someone under 18, by all accounts, is a child, obviously, legally. And so if we can't ask a child to consent to something, then why would we hand down uh, an adult-sized punishment to a child, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, So this Supreme Court ruling uh, determined that life sentences to minors is unconstitutional. So this sent down a ripple effect through the states. Washington state reviewed this, and given uh, the Miller v. Alabama precedent that was set, determined that in Washington state, giving a life sentence to a minor falls under cruel and unusual punishment. They ruled that it was unconstitutional. So then you had a, a review of all these cases, Brian Bassett's case being one of them, where um, he was resentenced under the, the Miller guidelines as they're known. So, it, of course, everything has to be confusing. <laughs> so uh, they said, okay, we're going to resentence Brian Bassett. They had a trial, they resentenced him to 60 years in prison. That was challenged, and that was overturned because they say, you know what, 60 years is excessive. We think the judge got it wrong, so we're going to then resentence him again. That's where we get to 2022, uh, and this new sentence, which just happened, just laid down uh, yesterday, which is Thursday, where a judge reviewed everything, took in testimony, revisited the details of this crime, and handed down a new sentence, which was three sentences to run concurrently. 25 years for the mother, 25 years for the father, 28 year old, uh, 28 years for the little boy that was murdered, all to be run concurrently. And this is where you kind of have to do some math. So Brian Bassett has already served 27 years and some change. This new sentence is 28 years, you know, carry the two. Uh, and that means that Brian Bassett has potentially less than a year left to serve before he can be released walk on the streets as a convicted felon, but be out of prison for the first time in his adult life. And, and remind me, how, how old would he be then, or how old is he now? He is, I believe, 42 years old, and that was part of the uh, defense strategy. They say, look, he, he was a teenager, he was a boy, uh, he's now a man who's not received any form of disciplinary action in prison for more than 20 years. Uh, he's been married uh, while in prison, he has a wife. Uh, he is deeply regretful. One of the most powerful moments of this trial came during allocution, which is where a somebody convicted of a crime has the opportunity to address the victims. You know, the victims don't have to be there, but they can deliver a statement. And it's it's one of the more powerful moments that you'll find in any court case. It doesn't really matter what the crime is, but Brian Bassett. Uh, as now a man, uh, addressed his adult sister, addressed the court, um, and and appeared to display just really profound remorse for this brutal act that he committed as a 16-year-old. All I can say is how horribly sorry I am and assert that the man who stands before you today is far removed from the hurting and confused child who committed his crime nearly 30 years ago. You mentioned he spoke in front of the court and in front of his sister, and in fact, his sister, who survived this attack, or she was the only surviving family member, spoke on the stand earlier this month as well. 
his sister is really just a, a portrait of strength in this. Um, she is uh, um, a couple years older than him, so she's in her early 40s. She has uh, adult children. She's married. Uh, she really hates that this murder has defined her life. She does not want it to define her life, so coming to court was very difficult for her, but she felt that it was important. Uh, she was there and had a front row seat to the unraveling of Brian Bassett as a teenager. Um, she's a, a She was a high school athlete, a tall volleyball, softball player, and many times in her life, she was the one that stood between Brian Bassett and fights of the parents to stop it from escalating any further. Uh, it just so happens that on the night of the murder, she was out of town with a volleyball team. I believe she was in Chicago. Uh, the murder happens, and she gets a phone call saying, you need to come home, something horrible has happened. But she truly believes in her heart that had she been there, she would have been murdered as well. Uh, she says it in front of the court that she feels that if Brian Bassett is released, she has a target on their back and she will be the next one that is murdered. I went from having everything to losing everything. That every day that he's behind bars, I can breathe. I can feel safe. And I can live because I don't have a doubt that the target is on my back. So she fought really with everything that she has uh, on behalf of the Bassett family to stop his release from happening. A judge said that she, the judge said that she took that into account. Uh, she's gonna issue an anti-harassment order. She's gonna bar contact. But all that being said, she took into account what the defense said, which is this man has served 65% of his natural life in prison. He seems rehabilitated took everything to account and said, despite all of this, uh, she ruled that he will be up for release in less than a year. Sebastian, before I let you go, you, you've said a, a few times uh, his likely release. Is this a done deal at this point? Well, of course it gets confusing, but here's my understanding of how it will work. So the judge issued a sentence of 28 years. He served 27 years and some change. He will have to go before a parole board and... Uh, argue for his own release. By all accounts, this will be somewhat of a formality because he has been uh, a model inmate. He's shown remorse. He has admitted guilt. But there is always the possibility that a parole board could say, uh, this person is an ongoing danger. Therefore, we are going to uh, argue that he stays in jail towards the upper end of his sentence. This is a lot of uh, legalese uh, we're told that he should breeze through the parole board hearings and he will be out on time served in less than a year. All right, Sebastian Robertson at King 5 in Seattle, Washington. Thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Will. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. If you haven't already, check out the newest podcast from Vault Studios. It's called Intent, the Tex McIver case, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For The Daily Crime, I'm Will Johnson.